What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Sports. I'm your host, Nick. Tonight, I'm going to be joined by Brian, John, and Dom. We're going to kind of go over some, some cool topics. We're going to talk about the MLB, um, talk about some professional football here, and then talk about the Vince McMahon saga. So first, we're going to start with our weekly rundown like normal. This week is a little bit different because I'm going to kind of give a few top 10 lists that I have. But the first one here is, is just a, like, I guess, a, a theoretical um, topic I threw out here for the guys. And um, it basically was just like, let's, let's say you owned an NFL team and the whole league decided to have a fantasy draft. In this draft, you were given the first 10 picks, but you were not allowed to pick again until the draft was over for everyone else. So this would make the, those first 10 players that you pick like super important. Um, so at home, go ahead and comment down below, like, who would you take? within those 10 picks there for me I went with and we'll go um we'll go pick one to ten so with pick one I picked Joe Burrow and then pick two I'd go TJ Watt pick three Miles Garrett pick four Jalen Ramsey pick five Devontae Adams pick six Tristan Wirfs and pick seven Rashawn Slater those are both two of the top offensive tackles in the league um and they're both pretty young so you could build with them going forward Pick eight, I have Marshawn Lattimore. Pick nine, I have Micah Parsons. And pick 10, Justin Jefferson. I had, do have the skill positions. I have two edge rushers, two cornerbacks, two wide receivers. Um, but I did go out there and get Micah Parsons because he can do it all at the linebacker position. And I wanted to get two offensive linemen to kind of start the bat, start it off because those guys are hard to find. So I figured year one would probably be a little bit of a wash. But um, once you can get into free agency in the draft going into year two, hopefully you can fill that team out and put a good enough squad and go ahead and win a Super Bowl because you have two of the best pass rushers, two of the best corners, and two of the best wide receivers in the league there. So, and Joe Burrow is a budding quarterback who I think is probably going to be one of the top quarterbacks going forward. What did you guys think about that list? Would you do anything different? You think I'm crazy for putting some of the guys on there? Who is the wide receivers you picked? Uh, Devontae Adams and Justin Jefferson. How could you not take, you know, Jamar Chase? Come on. <laughs> um, I thought, listen, I – I was like, I was like, you know what? I thought about just going Jamar Chase and um and Justin Jefferson, two guys that played with Joe Burrow at LSU, I believe. But I just couldn't pass up on Devontae Adams. I think he's one of the best wide receivers in the league. And I still think he has a good like four years in him. And then I think Justin Jefferson is just better than Jamar Chase. I don't think it's by much, but I think Justin Jefferson is a better wide receiver. So that's kind of why I went with him. I thought your team selection is very well balanced. That's one thing I would say that you did well. Um, how many offensive linemen did you pick? I heard a couple. Only, only two. I just only two tackles. So it's it's hard it's hard to find a really good offensive tackle. I figured I could fill the interior of the offensive line um, by year two, at least with some quality starters, or you know what I mean, and then they could get it done. So, because usually it's it's your it's your outside guys that are trying to block those edge rushers, and then since I took the best two edge rushers in the game, hopefully those guys can uh, can hold themselves up. But yeah, other than the Jamar Chase, I, good list. All right, all right, cool. Uh, the second list that I had here in the weekly rundown was uh, I just put this up here. So since 2010, um, list your top ten sports moments that you were able to watch live you know, in person or on TV. So go ahead and comment that down below, guys. Um, your top 10 sports, you know, moments since 2010. 
For me, I'm going to go ahead and give 13. I had three on my outside of my top 10 there. So at 13, I had Tiger Woods winning the 2019 Masters. Um, we all know kind of what he went through after, you know, the um, when he crashed his car and he got divorced and all the injuries and to be able to see him win that in that fashion. That was really cool. At number 12, um, I had the Kawhi Leonard game winner and uh, game seven against the Sixers in 2019. It was the one that hit the rim like four times and bat, you know, bounced around really cool shots from that one. But that was just outside my top 10. That was really cool to watch. And then this isn't necessarily a singular moment, but it's the Loyola Chicago run into the final four um, in 2018. And then just sister Jean is, is probably the goat from that as well too. So that was really cool to watch, but my top 10 at 10, I have the Minneapolis miracle in 2018. If you haven't seen that, look it up. It honestly, the, the, that's was the beginning of the saints, like three year, just sad run in the playoffs where things were just happened really bad to them. And uh, at number nine, this one hurts a little bit, but I have the Tim Tebow overtime throw to beat the Steelers in the wild card game in, the, in 2012. That one hurts, but it was a really cool moment to watch too. If you're a sports fan at number eight, I have Kobe's final game in 2016 when he dropped 60 points. I mean, I just think that that just, um, you know, eclipses his whole career that he just, he never gave up and he gave it 100% at all times. At number seven, I have the kick six, if you guys don't know what that is. So it was the Iron Bowl in 2013 where Auburn and Alabama were playing against each other. Alabama lines up to kick a long kick to win the game, and they missed, and Auburn returned it for a touchdown to win the game, which is, if you haven't seen that, I would go ahead and look it up. That was crazy to watch. At number six, I have the Malcolm Butler interception in Super Bowl 49 in 2015. You know, the no run call for Marshawn Lynch, um, that kind of was the huge controversy and, and really, um, really, I guess, took away a second Super Bowl that Seattle probably should have had. At number five, I have another Patriots Super Bowl win from 2017. This was the 28 to three comeback against the Falcons. Oh, I yeah. Yeah, I remember sitting in my uh, dorm room. We were all sitting there and it was like a really snowy night. And we were like, oh, yes, the Patriots are finally going to get beat. And then they came back and it just blizzard that night so bad. And then I just remember they canceled a class the next day because <laughs> we couldn't do anything, but that was just a crazy night. Um, at number four, I have the Eagles Super Bowl win in 52 against the Patriots in 2018. You know, the Philly Philly, I think that was just a crazy win. You know, Nick Foles went on just a tear in those playoffs. And, and that was just, that was an insane time. And then at number three, I have the crazy game seven in the World Series between Cleveland and Chicago in 2016. Obviously, Chicago ended its drought, um, championship drought at that point. And that game, I remember, again, we were sitting in the um, in our dorm room. Dom and I were sitting there and just the back and forth in that you were like, oh, Chicago has it. And then Cleveland came back and then at the end and then there was a the rain delay and then just everything was just I just remember it being so crazy and being in Cleveland and in school and everything, everybody was freaking out. And then it just, yeah, that was a crazy moment. And then at number two, I have the Ohio state Buckeyes championship run in 2014, not like a singular moment, but those like, I think it was three games. It was the big 10 championship um, conference semifinals. And then the championship game and Cardell Jones just came out of nowhere, had a, just a crazy run. And then Zeke putting together, you know, a three-game stretch that should be considered probably one of the best by any back in college history. That was really fun to watch. And then my top sports moments, it's a little bit of a, a homer moment, but 
um, watching the Cavs come back from 3-1 and win the championship in 2016. Obviously, Game 7, you had the block and then the shot by Kyrie. So that rounds out my top 10. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think I missed anything? Should I – did I get them all or <laughs> – Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if you can get them all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a top 10, but I, I have a few that I really liked. Um, when Tyreek – I think it was Tyreek Hill had the helmet catch – in Super Bowl, the Giants back in the I think oh, it was David, the two thousand Tyree. Tyree, yeah, so that, that was that was that was insane. Yeah, that was, was two thousand eight. Yeah, I thought, I, I thought about adding that one and then the San Antonio home Super Bowl catch, but that was two thousand nine, so they were just on the outside. But if I had done from the two thousands, those two probably would have made made my top ten because um, Stepe knocking out Cormier in. I think their second fight, I went to Johnny Jay's, which is a bar in um, Strongsville, Berea. I don't remember. And Stipe, if you don't know Stipe, he's a Cleveland guy. Heavyweight, was a heavyweight championship and heavyweight champion in the UFC from Cleveland. And when he knocks Cormier out, it was like, it was like the Browns just won the Super Bowl. People were going nuts. Now, let me remind you, people were all seriously drunk during this 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 time too but people were standing on tables it was it was incredible okay uh Brian, um, oh. i don't know if there's anything else uh calves i agree with the calves that was exciting um i don't know if i think there's something i'll let you know but <laughs> did you have anything to add brian or anything that you thought was good about the list a couple of mine i got is uh i'm a big motorsports guy so mm-hmm. uh Roval a couple years ago, Johnson goes for a uh, dive bomb going to the final corner for the win, crashes him and the leader and the guy from third place who's like way back there ends up winning the race, which was just really unexpected. The Brown <laughs> breaking the 20 year playoff drought two years ago. Yeah, okay. forgot about that. And then the Browns proceeding to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers was extra special. Sorry, Nick, we're never going to let it go now. <laughs> I know. Listen, I'll let you guys have your one win. So, you know, you're going to be you're awake you. again this year because your savior, Deshaun Watson, is not going to play. But. <laughs> hey, 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 what about seasons, Nick? Is that, is, can that be included in the list? I don't know about a season because, like, I think, I think, like, a run, like, like maybe like a four or five game run because I did like the Loyola College one to the final four, the Ohio State three games, you know what I mean? So, but I think, I think because that was more of like a, a moment in time, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, I saw, you know, like when I was thinking about it, I was like, maybe Lynn Sanity, but that was that was kind of more of a long, longer thing. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like that small of a moment. Well, I, I don't I don't know if this would fit the criteria, but what about Adrian Peterson blowing out, I think, two parts of his knee one season, coming back the next season, getting 2000 yards like I mean, that's just like, yeah. That's pretty. I mean, too. yeah. I mean, it was just it was great. He was, I think, the MVP that year. He was number one in the top 100 players of whatever year that was when they ranked all the NFL players. Which, if you guys haven't seen that, not just you guys, but the viewers, that's an excellent, excellent, excellent show to watch. They uh, they they rank all the uh, top NFL players from the from I think this year, the previous year, and it's an interesting show. Each each episode probably about might be an hour long or half hour and they could do like 10 players at a time. But no, I, yeah, I, I just, I, Adrian Peterson is just incredible. And the fact that he was able to come back was even more special. 
Yeah. Well, guys, like I said, comment down below. Let us know what you got, you know, in your top 10 or just let us know some crazy sports moments that you were able to watch. You know, I know like John mentioned a few and, and Brian mentioned a few. I wasn't able to watch those. So that's why they weren't on my list. But, you know, if you got to watch those in person or on TV and they were live, you know, go ahead and comment those down below because there are some that I'm sure I'm leaving out or Brian or John are leaving out or that you guys have just seen that that we never have. So um, comment those down below. But we're going to get started into our main topics for today. Our first topic is going to be on the MLB. So recently, MLB Commissioner Rob Manford, who has been in the news recently, but <laughs> doing a bunch of stuff, saying a lot of things, a lot of changes coming to um, professional baseball here. But he announced that in 2024, the MLB will more than likely have an automated ball strike zone system. Um, so the questions that I got for the guys is just first is like, you know, will this actually help the game? And then second, what does this mean for the plate umpire? So I'm going to let Dom go ahead and go first on this one. I think it's a good move for MLB. Uh, I've kind of been a proponent for the automatic um, balls and strikes for a while. For the most part, MLB umpires behind the plate are pretty accurate. Uh, I think I read a stat that they had an accuracy of 99.3% in the World Series last year. So, I mean, <laughs> they don't miss many calls, but when they do miss calls, they seem to be pretty pivotal calls. Um, and that accuracy rate is you know, quite a bit lower for the regular season. So I understand why people are proponents for it. it kind of takes the guesswork out of uh, calling balls and strikes. And, you know, anything to, you know, make calling, you know, pivotal plays more accurate, um, definitely a fan of. Yeah, I agree. All right. Thank you, Dom. Uh, Brian, what do you got on this one? I think it'll help the game a lot. I mean, I know people like that human element in sports. Same with, you know, NFL, MLB, you know, the referees always will make mistakes. Some, And I'm not trying to blame them because they have a really hard job, but. I think just having a much more consistent what counts as a strike, what counts as a ball is just going to help the game a lot. I feel like we're going to probably see a big drop in ejections, just being honest, because I feel like half of the ejections that happen lately are just either pitchers or batters trying to argue balls and strikes with the umpire. What it'll probably do for the home plate umpire is just, I mean, he's still going to be there, but he's going to have a lot less, you know, to worry about and do at, you know, the time that he's at the plate. I think, you know, going back to when Dom was giving his, you know, earlier, he mentioned a stat that's in the playoffs. I believe the plate umpire was like 90 something percent accurate when it came to calls, you know, but when they did miss a call, it was kind of pivotal in the game. So I think that the system in my mind, the system of what they're going to put in place is like, is there going to I think go off of what the plate umpire wants, but they're going to have this system there to track it, use it for accuracy, um, those kinds of things help out the umpires in those situations. But then also they can use it in those big time calls. So like maybe an umpire makes a call and it's a pivotal moment and maybe there's a challenge made or, you know, somebody back in, you know, wherever their headquarters for this is going to be they can stop the game and go back and look at that and they can use that digital, you know, that automated system and go back and like, you know, overrule the umpire or the umpire can go back and, you know, watch a replay on it on BA and stuff like that. And kind of, uh, or like they do now because they do that now, um, but they can go back and look at that and then they can either change their call or keep it the same. I think that's kind of how it's going to be used. 
I don't think the plate umpire is going to become useless at that point. I just they're just going to use that as more of a tool to get close to that 100% accuracy, especially when it comes to um, Brian. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to this? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. All righty, well, we'll go on to our next topic here. This is going to be another you know, list that we're going to put together. So I put this one out for the guys, you know, what is your top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL right now? And I want to preface this with, I started making a list. Like I was just bored one day and I made a list of, you know, the, I started doing the top potential starters in the list. And then I was like looking at it and I was like, Oh my gosh, like, well, I guess with some of these teams, like if a guy gets hurt, then the second string is going to play. And some of these teams don't really have that good a quarterback. So maybe the top three guys on the roster are going to be able to play And then you're just looking at it and you're like, well, there's some guys in free agency like Cam Newton that might get a shot this year. So I kind of went, you know, my list I made up was, you know, I kind of went with like the top potential guys that, you know, could take a snap in the league. And and I ended up with 72 names because I'm I'm just cuckoo. I I don't know. Um, But we're going to go ahead and give 15 of those. If you guys at home want me to post my top 72 list, let me know if you're super interested in that. Please don't. (laughs) that's the definition of way overthinking things (laughs) but we'll just if if you if you want you know nfl expert nick booker's 72 quarterback list let me know um but we'll go whatever makes you feel better but (laughs) uh dom i'll let you uh go first on this one so i looked at this as who do i think is the top 15 quarterbacks right now and also you know what's their ceiling like um going forward for the next like two to three years so number 15, I got Jalen Hurts. Um, I think he took a little bit of a step forward last year with the Eagles. I think he's definitely good enough to be a, a starting quarterback, and I'm excited to see how he performs this year with his Eagles offense that is definitely going to be a lot better than it was last year. Yeah, who, who would you put over Jalen Hurts at 15? Well, on my list of 72, I had him at 18, so it's not that far. Okay, so yeah, we're splitting hairs here. It's three <laughs> rankings. Fuck up. Uh, number 14, I got Jimmy G. No no complaints in his game. The dude just wins. He just doesn't really put up a lot of stats, but he doesn't really mess up the game either. Um, definitely deserving to be a starter. Uh, 13, I got Kirk Cousins. And number 12, I got Derek Carr. Number 11, Lamar Jackson. Number 10, Kyler Murray. Number 9, Russell Wilson. Number 8, Joe Burrow. Number 7, Matthew Stafford. Number six, Deshaun Watson. Number five, Aaron Rodgers. Number four is Tom Brady. Number three, Patrick Mahomes. Number two, Justin Herbert. And number one, Josh Allen. Did you did you put Justin Herbert over Patrick Mahomes? Yep. I know. Again, controversial. It's it's one spot. So when you really get into the top five, you're really splitting hairs with who you think is better. I mean, the, the first three years of Herbert's career have been three of the best years that we've seen from anyone in their, in their first three seasons. You look at yards in the first three seasons, touchdowns in the first three seasons, um, completions in the first three seasons. Justin Herbert leads all of those stats over Patrick Mahomes and over, um, over Josh Allen. So, I, yeah. Mahomes makes a lot of, of big plays with his arm that he can literally throw a football out of a stadium. But I, don't know, I, I feel like Herbert has done more in his first three years without, you know, uh, the likes of Travis Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill. And don't, don't get me wrong. I have Patrick Mahomes at three. So like 
I don't think Justin Herbert's like miles better than, than Patrick Mahomes, but uh, what, with what he's been able to do in his first three years, I think it justifies it. Josh Allen, number one, he's got a, an arm just as big as Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't seem to make as many little mistakes. And I think he's a little bit of a better athlete. He definitely affects the, the game, you know, running wise more than, than Patrick Mahomes does. Guess, and he's able to make the same amount of throws. I guess my thing is, I don't understand what you mean by little mistakes. I know that he had a rough start to the season last year, but yeah. I do, I do think that was a little bit probably of, of scheme scheme change. I don't really think that was as much on him. Well, what, what changed in the scheme? It's the same head coach, same offensive coordinator. Same... I don't know. They, they were not, they were not doing what they normally do. That's, that's the problem too, is like they, they, they did, they did different stuff. They weren't, he, they weren't actually like, they were just throwing deep bombs the whole time. Like I know that he throws deep bombs, but they weren't doing as many slants as they normally do. They weren't doing as many, like, I, I don't know. They weren't utilizing Travis Kelsey as much that first part of the season. And then, then once they kind of went back to, to their bread and butter, where it was playing, using Travis Kelsey, like those kinds of things, like it seemed like their offense was a little bit more like what it was. Well, their, their, their offense, their offense took off when their defense started to get better. So maybe it's a, a thing in terms of, you know, the defense was so bad they were playing catch up all the time. So they just had to keep throwing, you know, four verts every play. Alrighty. Well, thank you, Dom. I know you, uh, you won't be on for our double take segment later, but uh, I hope you have a good night and uh, thanks for being on, man. Cool. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, Brian, what do you got as your top 15? All right. Uh, number one, I got the goat himself, Tom Brady still. I mean, I, I get the fun after next season might change a little bit for me. Uh, followed by Aaron Rodgers. I don't think anybody's too surprised about that. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Kurt Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, and finishing up with the only rookie on the list, Mac Jones, which shows you how much he impressed me last year. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty solid list. Um, I like that. So you had Tom Brady at number one. I had Tom Brady at number one as well, too. Um, at number two, I had Patrick Mahomes. Number three, I had Josh Allen. Uh, I had Aaron Rodgers at number four. I had Joe Burrow at five. I just think – I think that in, in a couple years, I think Joe Burrow is going to be in the top three with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Um, and then, you know, I think Herbert will get there eventually too. I did have Matthew Stafford at six and Justin Herbert at seven. Um, I think those guys could easily flip-flop this year. I just need to see Justin Herbert in the playoffs first before I can be like, oh, yep, you're a, you're a top five quarterback in the league. But I think he's right there. I don't, I don't think he's too far off. I have Russell Wilson at eight, Derek Carr at number nine. He does break my top ten. I think he's super underrated, and he does a lot, and I think he's going to have a crazy season this year. Dak Prescott rounds out my top ten. Again, he's another guy I need to see have success in the playoffs, but he is super talented, and I think that he could you know make some waves in the league. I put Deshaun Watson at number 11. I know that might be a little bit controversial, but I went off of previous performances and talent. I think if there wasn't all the off the field stuff and we were just going off of talent, he could potentially be inside that top 10, but because there's like the off the field stuff and, and all those other kinds of things, I personally wouldn't pick him in the top 10 if we were doing like a draft like that. 
But I do think putting him at number 11, especially with his talent, um, is a good fit there. At number 12, I have Lamar Jackson. At number 13, I have Mac Jones. I think that he is, you know, in a similar category when you talk about the way that he is successful at the game. Like Joe Burrow and Tom Brady, they're not going to wow you with their arm and they're not going to wow you with their, you know, physical attributes. But the way that they mentally dissect the game aims that way, I think that that puts them on another level. That's why I have him at 13. And then 14, I have Kyler Murray. And 15, I have Kirk Cousins. Okay. I, I think it's a solid list for both of you. I, I do agree. That I think I put Tom Brady number one. I mean, the American, you know, people have commented, you know, he was successful at New England because of Belichick and the system. And then he goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and wins the Super Bowl. So I think that proves that, that that's not true. I think he'd be good anywhere, wherever he went, because I think he just has, you know, that that uh, that uh, fighter's mentality. Um, however, I think I put Josh Allen and Jackson and uh, Russell Wilson higher. And I, I don't – I love Joe Burrow, don't get me wrong. He, you know, his first couple – well, last season he was amazing. He took the Bengals to the Super Bowl. I just I cannot put him in my top three or five. I got to see him do it for a longer period of time. That's kind of my comment on the whole thing. Somebody I was really struggling place was uh, Kyler Murray. Like I just could not figure out where I wanted to put him on there. Just his really strong start last year. Yeah. Later in the year, major struggles. So I, I put him at 14. So my like, so basically I had Jimmy G at 17, Ryan Tannehill at 16, Kirk Cousins at 15, and Kyler Murray at 14. And those guys to me are pretty interchangeable there in those four. I'm not, they're not like, they're not far apart at all, if not pretty even. I just, I like Kirk Cousins. I think he's a little bit more consistent. He's, he's pretty healthy. He's always in the top 10 for stats. That's why I wanted him in my top 15. And then for Kyler Murray, like he's gotten better each year. And I think, you know, to me, the quarterback position is a little bit more than just throwing nowadays. You have to be a mobile. And I think, I think we have to start giving these guys credit for being mobile and being athletic like that, but I don't think it should be so give them so much credit, you know what I mean, that that it bumps them up so high, um, especially when their passing abilities aren't as good as others in front of them. But I do think Kyler Murray, if if he continues to develop, I think that this is a guy that we could see be a top 10 quarterback in the league at some point once, you know, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady retires, Matthew Stafford retires, you know what I mean, those kinds of things. I think we could see him get into the top 10. Um, but at this point, like him and Lamar Jackson, their passing abilities just aren't good enough to put them in the top 10, but they are really good athletes that I feel like they deserve. I agree with that. So I, I do, th- I do think Derek Carr is underrated. Um, I think Mac Jones is a little underrated. Yeah. Um, I, I really, I really like Mac Jones. Like I said, to me, like the reason I put Joe Burrow so high at number five and I, and a lot of people don't have Tom Brady at number one, but I, like I said, I think there's something to be said about that, like that mental and, you know, um, intangible that just not every quarterback has like the, they have, they have the ability to lead their team. Like I I think better than anybody we've seen at the position that's in the league right now. Um, And then they have, you know, the mental fortitude to dissect defenses better than anybody in the league. You know, obviously Mac Jones, I don't think is at that level yet, but I think he's a similar quarterback and I, I see him taking a big jump this year and then maybe even next year. 
and I see him kind of being a similar quarterback because, like I said, they don't have like the crazy big arm or they're not super athletic, but but they're they're going to win no matter what. I mean, how many times have we seen Tom Brady just win games when he shouldn't have or drag C wide receivers to the Super Bowls? You know what I mean? I think I think seeing Joe Burrow drag that Cincinnati you know offensive line to the Super Bowl and literally if if Aaron Donald doesn't get to him. Jamar Chase is wide open for a game-winning touchdown in that Super Bowl, and they win the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. So I think that I just I think that's why for me he's so high because I think that he is a dude that will win no matter what, and he will he will put guys and rate he he will raise the level. Um, I see him being that. I don't want to stick too much on this. Let us know, guys, what you think. Um, comment down below. What I'm going to do is all these lists. I'm going to post in um on our on our social media post for the episode so you'll get to see him there and then hear us talk about him so let us know what you think let us know who has the best list um and then let us know what your list is because i'm i'm super curious it's definitely like i said once you get into the top 15 i think that you know 15 through nine you could interchange and then i think five through one you could probably interchange depending on how you definitely interesting but moving into our last topic here we're going to talk about Vince McMahon. Um, if you haven't, if you don't watch the w, WWE or, you know, I guess professional wrestling in general, or you don't keep up with it recently, uh, Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon stepped down from their positions. Um, I think from they, they are overseeing the WWE and SmackDown and one other one, I believe in their company, but they stepped down from their roles in the organization over the past two weeks and nobody kind of really knew why. And then there was a story that came out that Vince McMahon was potentially, um, you know, he had been potentially paying off uh, sexual assault allegations over the past couple of years. And then finally the other day we got a story that said basically over the past 16 years, he's paid over $12 million to four separate women to stop um, allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity becoming public. So definitely something that's, uh, obviously not not a good thing to to come out for him and and obviously not a good thing for him to do so I guess my question for John here is you know first how does this how does this make you view like how my first question for John here is you know how does this you know change your view of him and then second will this hurt the brand in the business he spent you know the majority of his life building or do you think it's okay and it'll continue it hurts me. I think it's just disrespectful to women. Will it hurt his sport or his organization or his company? I do not think so. Many people idolize these celebrities and these sports, sports uh, athletes. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we have to ask ourselves what's important here. I mean, it's just kind of the same thing with Deshaun Watson. I I don't know. I don't have any like evidence to show that this guy with either McMahon or Deshaun Watson sexually assaulted somebody. I just get here to say I read stuff on the news and and look stuff up and it gets, you know, to look stuff up on the internet. But it's like, it's like, I mean, we need to hold these people accountable and I don't think we are. I don't know why we're not holding people accountable, but I mean, the fact that he has all this money and he's able to pay these women and get, get away with it, I don't think that's a fair punishment, I would say. Um, and you know, it's like the same thing with like the Sean Watson, the guy has some shady things going on and 
when I read stuff on Facebook or on social media, social media, and I'm not, I'm not going to say who, who, who's doing this because I'm not just blast everybody on the internet, but people seem like they're more interested in Deshaun Watson playing than they are for these women getting justice for whatever he supposedly did to them. And, and that's another thing, the guy, Deshaun Watson or Vince McMahon, they have all this money and they, that gives them the tool or ability to cover a lot of this stuff up or pay these women off. But that still doesn't make it right. I don't want women or anybody to be disrespected or taken advantage of. You know, and I, I think also when it comes to professional athletes or people with a lot of money, they, they think they're untouchable. And, you know, if, if they come from a time where they've been athletes the, their entire life or they've been rich their entire life, they think nobody can touch them because nobody's touched them before. People give them breaks. And so they have an ego. They're incredibly arrogant. I think you look at situations like Vince McMahon or Deshaun Watson. You can go back to Jameis Winston at, at FCU and, and that whole situation. There, there, there are countless situations in which professional or collegiate athletes um, who are who are big names, who have lots of money, who have lots of pull, they get away with things because of you know who they are and what they've done, and and because people put them on such a high pedestal, and they think, oh, my hero can't do that, or my hero wouldn't do that, or. Or even even if they think they did it, they're like, oh, we got to protect them at all costs. You know what I mean? Or or there was that 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 stigma that you know, oh, they're just out there for a payday and stuff like that. And it's it's it is ridiculous and it is super frustrating. And I think that you know, obviously, this coming out about Vince McMahon that over the past sixteen years he's paid over twelve million dollars to four separate women. You know, um, I think that 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 is a telling sign that you know, finally, this information is coming out. Finally, we know who he really is um behind that and and we in the you know the professional wrestling world can move forward from that and be successful on its own without him and and he can live with his you know his choices and he can live with those consequences and you know we don't have to watch him on tv anymore we don't have to support him anymore because we shouldn't have to you know obviously we live in a world you know innocent until proven guilty but I think a lot of times you look at a lot of situations and you hear a lot of testimony, especially from women in these situations that, you know, it, you're just like, yeah, that's, I, I don't care if, if they don't say, if they say there's not enough evidence. I, I don't, I, I don't know. So I don't want to harp on it too much. You know, I think John said some phenomenal things and um, I, I think it's unfortunate that again, on this podcast, we have to talk about something like this. And I, I, I hope it's the last time I, I really do, but, you know, we'll, we'll kind of continue to, um, to reiterate that, you know, I, I think the most important thing in life is consent and uh, keep your hands to yourself. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's all I can say in life. And I think that's what I can say for everybody, especially everybody who's, you know, young kids out there, teenagers, people in their twenties who are in college right now, um, consent and keep your hands to yourself. So um put yourself in other people's shoes and um how how something like that might feel to you so yeah um but let's go ahead and move on to our double take segment to end the episode here um again guys if you're first time here we go around twice and just give something going on in life going on in the sports world anything that we want to talk about or you know um bring uh to this episode and, and give a platform to 
So I'll go ahead and uh, let Brian start. We'll go Brian, John, myself, and then uh, we'll repeat the process there. So Brian, what you got for your first thing? So Nick, how do you feel about Steelers changing uh, their stadium name? Well, you stole my thing, but listen. <laughs> why? Why? This this is what I'll say. I think I think for like some places, like like the Minnesota Vikings Stadium. I have no idea what that's called, and quite frankly. I don't care because it's not a historic stadium. But when you talk about Heinz Field, when you talk about like Gillette Stadium, when you talk about the Staples Center that was changed, right? If these things, if we lose these things, like this historic names, I, I don't care about the money. No, at that point, what do you care about the money? It's it's a name brand thing. It's a recognizable thing. When you talk about like Heinz Field, everybody knows that's where the Steelers play, right? When you talk about Gillette Field, that's where everybody knows where the, the Patriots play. When you talk about the Staples Center, that's where the Lakers played. But they changed all these names. I don't know. I and it's and it's not even like a cool thing. It's like it's like a freaking insurance company. I don't what the heck? I don't know. That's how I feel about it. What the heck? I saw that today and I was already really tired from work. And I was like, what the honestly? Well, PG, I didn't say what the heck. I said, I said the F word, but <laughs> bro <laughs> come on i figured that would you weren't going to be too too happy about that one no i mean how do you feel about it you know what i mean i guess i guess in general how do you feel about these like historic stadiums that that we grew up watching we knew the names of such and now they're changing now they're not that anymore like what do we i i don't know you know what i mean i guess what are we supposed to do with that i get a lot of money's involved but i'm my opinion is if it's historic, leave it alone. Yeah. yeah. All righty. Uh, John, what's your first thing? Hopefully you don't get me on a, on a rant like Brian did. But. <laughs> Hopefully not. Uh, it's been three months, but I can honestly and proudly say my puppy is finally potty trained. There you go. That's, 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 a, tough, that's a tough journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's, I thought, oh, my God, he's never ready to potty train. I've been teaching him for weeks, and he, I think he finally figured it out. So so that that's, that's, that's all I have, but that was my take on it. Yeah, that's – honestly, um, when we got, we got our puppy, Miles, a year ago, he, um, he picked it up, like, super fast. I was really surprised. He was leaving yeah. a couple days crate trained in a week um and then potty train wise you know i think he was pretty much potty trained after you know two or three months and you know what i mean he had his like little puppy accident or he got scared or something like that but he wouldn't he he would always go to the bathroom outside he'd let us know and he does to this day so you know dogs dogs are really smart animals um i think for my first thing i was going to go with something else but i'll change it to my second thing but um for my first thing here if you guys have the opportunity I don't want you to if you can't, but um, because of the pandemic, everybody went out and got dogs and cats and and whatever it may be. And then for some reason, when the pandemic ended and everybody went back to work, they they either gave up their pets or they let them go or whatever. So the you know the humane societies and the pounds and your your towns, your cities, um, your states, they're full. They're overrun. Um, and when you kind of walk around in there, you kind of see some of the reasons that some of the dogs or cats or pets don't have homes. And it's just really sad. You know, um, some, some pets are just given up because somebody had to move and they couldn't take them or it's just, it's just a really sad thing. So if you have the ability to, you know, adopt a dog and, and help a dog in that situation and give, give a dog or cat or another pet a home, 
um, go ahead and do so because I think that you know they they deserve to have a happy life and um, and they bring a lot of joy to your life. You know, it's going to be a little frustrating at times. They're going to do some things where you're like, "What the heck?" But they're so much better than humans, and <laughs> yeah, they, they they do a lot less evil stuff uh, most of the time. So if if you have the ability to do that. Um, I, I highly recommend it. And if you don't, then I highly recommend that you volunteer at your local humane society. Um, that's something that, that I think, um, I want to try to get into because like I said, they, they need all the help they can get. And, and those dogs deserve, deserve some love too, especially other cats and pets and animals. Um, Brian, you got something for your second thing? Um, for those fans that are, uh, you know, F1 fans, let me know how you feel about the fact that spa is not on not currently on the schedule in a couple of years because that's very similar to them taking Monaco off. So it's just one of those things where that's like one of the four races that is on the schedule every single year. So I'm hoping they figure it out, get it back on. But I just was shocked when I found that out today. All righty. Yeah. Go ahead and let Brian know in the comments, guys. Uh, John, what's your second thing or do you have one? Uh, is anybody excited for the new Madden coming out or? Yeah. I, yeah. Listen, I, I have it pre-ordered. You do? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I heard this. So this, this is the, um, this is because the, there's a guy that I watch on YouTube. This is a review that I heard him give on it and it seems pretty promising. He said, this is the first Madden in a while where he felt that things got better and didn't get worse he said the game wasn't perfect but he felt that things got better and didn't get worse so i think that that's super promising i think that they're taking hopefully taking a step in the right direction and they've listened to all the criticism over the past three or four years and um and i hope ea takes that with their other games too because fifa's been lacking you know what i mean i i think that 2k should take that criticism as well too and fix their basketball game um and you know um PlayStation should do the same with MLB the show. I, I think that, you know, we we as sports fans, we buy these games, we play them because we want to play our favorite teams. And, and I think we deserve to have a good quality game. So yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'll, I'll probably buy it and give it a shot. And then hopefully it is a lot better than than the last couple. Uh, but my last thing is um, it's not, I guess it's not that crazy, it's not that fun, but you know, the reason we're recording this this episode on a different day and it's coming out is because I uh, recently got moved to the AM shift. So I get the uh, pleasure of waking up at two o'clock in the morning and uh, working with Brian on the AM. So um, <laughs> um, I've been really tired the past couple of days. And um, basically I've been up since 2 AM. I took like an hour and a half nap when I got home today, but um, I'm running on, on fumes during this episode uh, i know brian is too but you know we're having fun we love doing this and um you know we'll continue to try to adapt and go forward and, and i'll say i'm not as tired as i thought i would be and i'm having fun so it's a lot different but um yeah and i get to work with brian so what what a better uh what a better time that would be <laughs> your body's never going to get used to waking up at two in the morning oh no no, no. it's never going to get used to it Basically, I'll probably just come home, take a four-hour nap, wake up, eat some dinner, go to bed for another like three or four hours, and then get up at two and go to work. So I think that's going to be where we're at on that one. <laughs> but like I said, guys, we'll we'll continue to do this episode. We'll do it on Monday nights. It'll come out on uh, on Tuesdays, and then um, Two Minute Drill will will um, be recorded on Tuesdays and come out Wednesdays like normal. So um, and then 
if I stay on if I stay on the shift or go to a new one, we'll we'll adjust. But but I thank you guys for listening, staying flexible. I thank you, John and Brian and uh, Dom, for staying flexible and, and being on this show. Um, you know, consistently. I I really um I really like this show idea. I think doing something like this and doing a little bit different, going a little bit deeper into some of these topics and um, talking about a lot of different things, super fun. So um, if you guys have any topics that you want us to talk about, you know, in the coming weeks, let us know if something happens during the week and you want us to, you want to hear our opinion on it, go ahead and comment on our Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, you can go ahead and message us as well too. And we'll go ahead and add that in here. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, check us out on all social medias and anywhere you get your podcasts. But as always, I'm Nick. I was joined by John, Brian, and Dom today. This was another episode of Let's Talk Sports presented by Deep Dive Sports. And until next time.